Hi everybody, Mike Hancock here. And uh, today we have Rainer Patek, who is sitting in the snow um, just outside his home in Germany. So it's fantastic, Rainer, to have you here today. Extreme mountain climber, um, speaker par excellence in French, and of course, um, expert in organizations as well. And uh, Rainer, welcome. Lovely to have you on the call today. Many thanks for the invitation, Mike, and uh, hello to all. So the first thing we notice, folks, when we look at Reiner is that he has a different setup um, than what most people have on Zoom, and he's also using a different camera. So he's certainly not using the camera built into his Apple or anything like that. So we're going to get into that, Reiner, but firstly, um, why don't we get into a little bit about who you are and your background? So... For those of you that haven't uh, met Reiner before, uh, I did mention extreme mountain climber, and that's been a passion of yours your whole life. So why don't you take us back to the very first mountain you climbed and the reason why you wanted to do it? Yeah, uh, I, I love to do that. So um, just thinking uh, during your introduction, uh, when did, when did it all start? Uh, it's now really about 40 years ago when I started climbing. So I'm 56 now. Uh, I'm an Austrian living in Germany. And um, about 40 years ago, I had a crucial experience in the mountain. I always loved to be in the mountains, go there for hiking with my parents. Uh, but uh, there, I, I remember that moment when my hands, uh, for the very first time, got in contact, got in touch with rock. And uh, it was it was magic for me, and I knew uh, uh, this is this is my stuff. I want to become a climber. I want to become a rock climber, and I uh, just not want to become a rock climber. I want to become the best rock climber I could become. So this was the starting point, more or less, for me. For and you be, you became an amazing rock climber, but I remember from your story and. It's interesting when I touched rock too, but mine was rock music. I knew what I wanted to be. But, um, but when, when, you, um, when you were doing it and really at the top of your game, you still had doubts, didn't you? You still wondered if this was something that you were really as good as what you were at it. What was going through your mind? I remember you saying this in one of your keynotes. I'm not sure if I got your question, uh, Mike. So the question, the question was... Even though you were great, you still had doubts of how good you actually were and you still doubted what you could and couldn't climb, as I recall. That's correct, isn't it? That, that, that's, that's uh, of course, that's correct. But, uh, but I think that's more or less my, uh, my personality. I always think there is um, a little bit more we can reach and I always uh, made the experiences uh, experience that there are some uh, boundaries there are some limits but they are very far outside so we really we, we have to we have to strive we have to uh, go far to reach that so uh, I'm uh, I never thought I really uh, got to the limits in climbing and I also uh, know that I'm not uh, yet there in speaking or consulting, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot uh, room for improvement, and uh, this is really for me is is essence of life. It's not just yeah. about reaching some success or what others might maybe state as a success. It's more about uh, um, getting the best version uh, in a field you uh, could possibly become. 
Mm. Mm. Well, I, I, that's led me into segue into another question, but I want to stick on mountain climbing for one more. And, um, and that is that when you started uh, celebrity mountain climbing, which means, you know, taking other CEOs and people who have not climbed mountains up the mountain, and I, I know the story, um, what was sort of the transition or the three things that you think that enabled somebody who had never climbed a mountain before to be able to get to the top of something difficult? What, what was it you taught them? What was it they were prepared to do that got them there? Yeah, I, I think, I think uh, what really uh, is crucial uh, is uh, having the encounter with, uh, with someone who sparks uh, the passion inside of you. Uh, a lot of clients I talked uh, with afterwards, after they were climbing with me, said, wow, uh, the, first, uh, the first things we did uh, were so impactful. They were so powerful uh, that uh, it really kept them going. I think this is, uh, this is a crucial thing. The second thing is really what I uh, think about is maybe the most powerful tool as a leader uh, is uh, seeing potential in others they are not uh, able to see at the moment. And uh, we, we, we all need uh, some, uh, some people of that kind. Uh, they are able to see things in us we might not see at, the, at that moment. And uh, I think this is crucial. And uh, it's the same for me. I all, uh, also need that counterpart. Uh, I need that mirror because uh, nobody, nobody maybe uh, is able to see everything uh, that he or she would be capable of doing. Yeah. yeah. Then the third thing, if, uh, when you asked about three things, I think this is really just constantly working, mm. constantly striving to get better, constantly improving your skills, your abilities, your mental uh, strength. So uh, it uh, doesn't uh, come without work. Absolutely. Let's let's segue into into speaking now, and I think they're great points because um, I wrote them down in the chat. The first touch. The first touch point with something or somebody is either impactful or not. It either makes a difference or not. And then for others to be able to see in you what you can't see in yourself is really important. I mean, we provide that role for so many people who are on this call. But um, and you guys provide it, many of you provide it for other people as well. And then the third thing is just constantly chipping away at it, just constantly coming from different angles until you find the thing that that works for you, I think, is also part of part of the journey as well. Let's move to speaking. So um, you came off the mountain, you, you moved into speaking, and you really built a very, very successful keynote speaking business. But now along came COVID, and you know you were actually very well set up in in 2020. I think you had one of your best years ever, if not your best year ever. Um, what allowed you to be so well set up that something like this global pandemic came along and didn't really impact you as much as it impacted a lot of other people? What was that thing? Yeah, part of it, I think, was just good luck. Maybe not good luck, but it was somehow being being prepared and um, having worked strategically the years before 2018 and 2019, preparing a shift uh, that uh, um, was very important for my business as I um, 
I would say it uh, from today's perspective, because, um, uh, and you know that uh, very well, because we have talked a lot about that and you have helped me to, to structure it a little bit. Um, looking back, my business uh, evolved somehow, on the one hand, coming from one pillar, which was uh, organizational development, more of a consulting, which is more about uh, observing, which is more about asking questions and uh, somehow facilitating um, a change in organizations. And on the other hand, uh, a little bit later, out of um, yeah, my my history more more or less, and out of uh, some 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 feedbacks from uh, clients, I got. Um, in a very organic way, uh, speaking um, came up. And there were more or less uh, two pillars that uh, didn't really, yeah, they somehow they somehow played together, but not that well uh, as uh, they could have. And really sorting this in a very strategic way and um, bringing it much more together, um, supporting, uh, in, in a mutual way was really crucial for me. And uh, doing that work, um, I also prepared um, a different approach to my, to my business model, which uh, was not uh, so much, um, not so much dependable on the time invested, but more uh, focused on the value that I bring for my, uh, for my clients. And so really shifting from, um, uh, having fees uh, in amount of days, I really just uh, um, had my business model based on the value I deliver and uh, shifted with some clients um, to uh, to a container model. Oh, sorry, a retainer a retainer model, and uh, this really helped me because at the beginning of um, 2020, two big projects were. Uh, uh, came into the pipeline, which was prepared 2019-2018, and uh, this gave me a little bit of a, of a uh, yeah uh, good base uh, to to uh, build the rest uh, on that and um, pivot my business uh, to to virtual uh, speaking, virtual consulting, building up a home studio, doing um, the book masters of uncertainty which you know very well i think uh, so this was this was more or less what helped me yeah exactly and uh, i want to talk about a few of those things as well but um just for the point of it if you're happy to share what's been your biggest um in terms of euro contract so far in terms of a package do you have a number for it yeah 300 300k 300,000 euros in one yeah. package so I see Joni nodding there because I've been telling her she's too cheap. So um, <laughs> there's a few other people laughing now, Reiner, on this call because I've probably been telling them they're too too cheap as well. But I, you know, I sincerely want to congratulate you for charging. You know the types of values that you can get, and you can get them, and everybody can get them in their marketplace as well. Um, Reiner, you really jumped in. You're a very quick mover, and you know, I think it's it's part of your the reason why you're such a skilled mountain climber is you've got a very, very high attention to detail. And we could make jokes that Germans do, but you're Austrian, so it's not going to fly. But um, 
But I have to say to you that your attention to detail with going online and getting virtual has been really interesting for me to watch because you really embraced it very quickly. And, you know, um, if you look, guys, at, at Reiner's shot there, you know, it's, it's a very unique shot. He's got the blurred background and it works really well with the angle. The chair's fantastic. You know, the, the new home's fantastic and all of those sort of things. What sort of um, upskilling did you have to do to become really at the top of your game virtually, which you are, um, compared to what most people are around the world? And we'll talk about your, your new keynote in a minute. But how difficult was that for you and what did you have to do? In, in fact, in fact, it was uh, really difficult for me because uh, I'm the kind of a person who uh, does uh, like to have a strong connection to my audience. And so um, naturally, I would say I feel more comfortable in a, in a boardroom, in a, in a in a conference room with maybe 30 people or 50 people, it's not that I'm fearful uh, when I have uh, 200 people or uh, 600 people or maybe 1,000 people there. Uh, but what I really uh, what I do really like is having or feeling and sensing this connection, uh, this relationship with my audience. This is really vital for me, and this was for me the biggest hurdle in in virtual speaking and in virtual. Um, uh, in virtual uh, work anyway, because uh, it, it, I think it took me a year to develop a natural attitude uh, towards the camera and uh, the feeling uh, that uh, I couldn't see my audience uh, at the virtual keynote. But uh, now I, after, after one year really uh, working hard, uh, beginning of this March, I had the feeling now, now I'm I'm getting used to it now. I'm there, so uh, it's really this is this was the most challenging part for me to build up that connection via uh, the camera, um, building up a relationship with people I do not see, but uh, somehow uh, get uh, a feedback about the chat or some interactive to interactive tools like Slido and so and so on. And the other thing uh, really uh, was that I uh, always. Um, or I'm convinced of that when you charge high fees, uh, it's about quality in every detail. So I want to get uh, heard uh, in, in, in a proper way. I want to get uh, seen in a proper way. The light should be good. The, uh, the, the camera should be good. Uh, the background uh, should be somehow nice. And uh, this is what I'm working on. And I'm always looking at it um, from a different perspective, uh, just um, look at it uh, like a CEO would look at you uh, and he has to pay uh, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of euro for your support. Um, you, you can't go there with a, with a, with a, with a shitty mic or um, some, some kind of light that hurts in, in your eyes. So I, I don't want to deliver that experience to, to my clients. Yep. Yeah. And what did it what did it cost you and what was the the sort of learning curve in terms of time before you felt relatively comfortable with with the new way of you doing things? 
the cost do you mean in in terms of budget or what yeah. do you yeah, yeah so yeah in terms of budget i think in in terms of budget it's uh, your you do you do not need more than maybe 2000 up to 3000 euro to get right. top top equipment so that's 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 not the problem that is really the easiest part of the exercise the the other thing was really hard at least for a half a year and uh, um, really getting to the point where i really felt com comfortable was almost one year and it was one year of really constantly working and improving and getting feedback and doing things and um, doing it again and again. So this was really the the the, the more difficult part for me. And did you um, did you have anybody advising you? Did, who did you seek advice from to get set up? Uh, different for different people. I really like to be in touch with different people and uh, just uh, getting <clears throat> different adv advice. Uh, I'm I'm more or less convinced uh, it's uh, important for you on your journey to get uh, really a variety of of perspectives from others uh, that help you to become a unique you. If you only have one advisor for five years, you would uh, probably uh, become a copy of somebody. But uh, so getting different uh, different um, perspectives is so important. And uh, what I did uh, do is on the one hand, uh, getting uh, or ha having uh, contact to people that are that were very very skilled in all the in all the technical aspects uh, so in terms of the video switch i think most of you might know the the plague magic atom mini video switcher i was one of the first uh, this was one of the first gadgets i bought just to um, make a, a powerful a screen experience during my my keynotes for my clients this was one thing so uh, having a contact to tech people and on the other hand I uh, really worked uh, with a with a director from a theater. Yep. Uh, so uh, she looks at the screen completely different. She looks uh, on the screen uh, in terms of this is your stage and how do you arrange that. So how many headspace do you have uh, in, uh, up to the up to the top? Because it's a complete different if you uh, somehow there. So somehow there or or some, somehow there. So this is, <laughs> this, 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 this makes a difference and really, uh, really uh, just um, paying attention to those things. So um, for me, for me, I avoid uh, almost all the time being in the center of, uh, of the screen. I want to be a little bit on the side. I don't want to be confrontative. Uh, I want to provide, especially in uh, the, the setting we have right now, uh, a little bit of a depth of the room. And uh, it, it should be fuzzy that you can uh, feel the depth of the room. So uh, this is uh, this, these are the things that I take care of. Or just uh, let's uh, talk about the setting right here because we have it right now. Um, the light is uh, much higher higher than uh, the camera. The camera is on eye level, uh, uh, slightly above high, uh, uh, eye level in order not to look down on people. They have the feeling I look, I look a little bit up and the light is still higher. And the only reason is I don't want to have the mirror effect uh, of the light in my glasses and you would see it. So yep. um, yeah, very, those, very good. Those, 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 those are the details I, I take care of. No, great details. And I want to I ask you about your new keynote presentation because 
just to give everybody a heads up here that Reiner's um, previous keynote that he'd done for several years, although being at upgraded versions of it all the time. And um, how many times would you have given that keynote in a year, Reiner, the, the previous keynote? I would say... Prior, um, prior to COVID. Prior to COVID, I would say uh, 60 times, 60 to 70 times. Yeah, 60 to 70 times a year. And it's, it's fantastic. It's very interactive. It's, um, it's, it's very unique. It uses a lot of movement in the keynotes and things like that. It's fantastic. But I've seen some snippets and I've been meaning to actually contact you. So I haven't got around to it. So this is my first time. Um, you've got a new keynote, basically, which is holographic. So, um, and you've been working on that. So you've got... Uh, the holographic mountains that you essentially climb while you're giving your keynote from what I've seen. Tell me a little bit about how that came about and also about, um, about what you learned through that process and have you used it um, so far and, and what's been the feedback? Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm currently in midst of the process. So I don't have any, any really mature result I could present right now. I hope um, to have a version 1.0 at beginning of June or so, and uh, hopefully uh, a proper version at uh, end of summer. Um, but the, the thing is uh, that um, I'm constantly striving to improve the experience uh, for my audience, might it be on the screen, might it be on the stage? And it was very natural for me uh, when um, uh, a common friend of us, uh, Paul, met, I, I might say it, uh, Sigi Haider, you know, Paul, uh, we, we both uh, worked with Sigi, uh, approached me, he has a speaker bureau in, in Germany, is also the founding president of the German Speakers Association. And uh, he came to me and said, uh, he has um, new tech guys around and uh, the hologram uh, technology, holographic technology is getting much more mature and mature and it's not so uh, expensive anymore. Uh, wouldn't you be interested to um, be one of the first speakers to uh, develop that? And uh, I said, of course, yes, because that's my, my, uh, my nature. You mentioned before, Mike, uh, that you consider me being a quick mover. I know from myself, I'm a slow mover. I need my time. I, uh, I have to react fast uh, in order to uh, have the time to be at the summit with the others who are much uh, quicker than I am. So I have to be one of the first to have a little bit of an advantage. And therefore, I started... Uh, uh, of course, uh, just by saying yes, uh, let's do that. And um, of course, it's a little bit of a of an invest, but um, yeah, uh, let let me put it like that. It, it costs about I think eighteen thousand euro. Uh, but uh, you and I know that my uh, PowerPoint presentation I currently use uh, is about 35,000 euros. So I have, uh, I have invested really a lot in that, in just, uh, in just um, not only creating that, in getting the, uh, the heli helicopter recordings from Red Bull of the mountains I, I did climb and uh, going with the film team to the Dolomites and climbing up there to have all the effects I wanted to have in that, uh, in that presentation. So it was not uh, such a shock for me to uh, say yes to that investment. 
and started. Uh, and uh, I'm uh, in midst of the process and I'm just really deeply convinced that it's so important to uh, always set the bar a little bit higher. Uh, and uh, just having the, the idea of possibly um, being capable delivering a keynote in Australia without leaving my home and appearing there uh, at, uh, at the stage of Irina Yashin Shaw, let's say, and one of her, her events on the stage uh, as a hologram was just fascinating for me. And uh, thinking of that not only in terms of having um, uh, an exciting um, stage uh, performance, but also having maybe a completely or being able to deliver a completely different sc screen experience, uh, which is more Netflix-like for uh, the people yep. um, uh, on the screens, on their laptops, in their home office, would be just, uh, from my point of view, a competitive advantage. And I would uh, be able to maintain my already high fee also for, for virtual uh, keynotes, um, which a lot of uh, clients still consider being webinars, but they are not webinars. They're really, they are some, somehow screen experiences and I want to, I, I want to de deliver that. So I'm in midst of the process. It's uh, very interesting. I'm not sure if it will uh, really pay off. I just uh, am ready to uh, put the, the necessary budget involved at risk. And uh, let's see if this is something, something really exciting. I think it will be. And I think what I've seen so far is it has massive potential. And, you know, I want to acknowledge you and congratulate you on doing this. I think it's, you know, you are, you are definitely leading the field globally. I mean, there's, you know, in terms of speakers, there's, there's nobody doing this really. And I mean, um, I bet you wish you had have chosen a career like knitting or, you know, you know, maybe writing a book rather than climbing mountains. You wouldn't have had to pay all that money to get the aerial shots. But, um, but <laughs> I, I really want to congratulate you on it. And another thing that uh, when, we were in, when we were in France and, you know, I've got very fond memories, as I'm sure you and Paul do as well, and Landy does, when we, the four of us were in France together um, just, you know, not quite two years ago or whenever it was, um, we came up with the idea for you to do a coffee table book, Masters of Uncertainty. And I meant to grab my copy of it actually before this. And I don't know if you have one handy, Reiner, do you? Um, and if not, I can grab one. He's got one right there. So I want you guys to, to see, the, see this book. I meant to grab it beforehand. And Reiner, there it is. Yeah, maybe you can talk people through the process of the book. And it is a coffee table book. And you've got other books out there. Um, and I want people to see, feel the weight of this thing and then what it's done for you as well in terms of, you know, your positioning, your branding and what you learned through the process would be really useful. Yeah, so um, I remember France very well, not only because of the uh, good food we <laughs> enjoyed there together uh, in the Dordogne and um, mainly because of the substantial uh, conversations we had about developing our business and uh, just having a great time together. And um, there was one, uh, one very crucial ses session for me. And I think Landy came up with uh, the idea of delivering substance uh, to um, yep. high fee clients and uh, substance really in terms of uh, it should be something that is really physical heavy. 
And this is <laughs> was more or less, uh, to be honest, the main the main idea behind this book to really have a heavy book. <laughs> so uh, I created something something really heavy. Uh, it's it's not the main part of the uh, or the main reason for the book that uh, it has a lot of weight. But I want I, I thought about really doing uh, something that is has 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 weight and this is really a haptic experience and so i uh decided on the one hand to make really a high quality book uh, and on the other hand really um do an inspirational book i had never uh done before really using all my own photograph and imagery uh i'm uh, I'm having or I uh, uh, had taken uh, while climbing the mountains, but also working together with other professional uh, professional photographers. And uh, I must really say, it, it's it, it became really a wonderful book, and it's it's uh, bilingual throughout uh, German and English. And I have a lot of uh, a lot of uh, images in it. Uh, really. Um, fantastic landscape but also really good uh, action images this is one uh, i did on my own or uh, i did um, while uh, being a mountain guide but let's have a look for maybe some stunning photos um, i got from others from a professional professional climbers so just i take it uh, this photography is really these are, are breathtaking photos and i wanted to uh, combine uh, inspirations with powerful uh, pictures uh, and um, giving my my clients yeah an overview about all the perspectives I could bring in for them so giving them the richness of my background and all uh, putting uh, it together in, in one book. And also I thought about uh, how could it uh, get even more value. So I decided to do, do it bilingual, like, uh, you know, from some uh, airlines, uh, Lufthansa in Germany, they have, uh, they have international passengers, they have German speaking passengers, and therefore everything is bilingual uh, and they only have one board magazine. And this was more or less the, the role model for this book so it's uh it's a uh, german it's it's uh, english it's the same content uh two languages and uh, this also means much more uh, much more weight much more substance uh and uh i always had uh, uh in um in mind this is not a book i want to sell hundred thousands of copies on the global market this is uh, a book for my most important 50 clients yep and for the for the rest it's fine if they get it and uh, if it brings me some feedback and some possibly new clients but it's really a book for maybe yeah 50 to 100 clients and it it was really really so fantastic uh one of my uh main main clients at the moment i just sent them the book uh, um, at the end of year 2020 and they were one of the uh the uh, the clients who gave me a big contract at the beginning of 2020 before covid uh, and uh, I was not sure if they would renew that uh, that contract again in 2021 because they haven't used uh, their uh, their possibilities uh, due to COVID in the two th in the year 2020. And I uh, sent the book to uh, the board of 
uh, to the executive board and uh, to uh, three people, the CEO, CFO, and uh, COO. And uh, after uh, after Christmas break, they just came back to me and said, "Hey, we want to continue the work with you." Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, that made the, the if nothing else, that made the whole project uh, <laughs> worthwhile. What did, What did you learn about yourself or about you know your business or anything like that through doing a project like that? Because doing a book's one thing, but a coffee table book's something else. And and I think everybody on this call can do a coffee table book. There's no doubt. It doesn't have to be, you know, yours is 267 pages or something, if I remember rightly. So it's not a small book. Um, it's, it's a very large book. But what did you learn? Yeah, uh, maybe the most important learning is not to be afraid to do, it, uh, to do something like that. Uh, because um, maybe uh, and in uh, that respect, really, our platinum mastermind in France was really crucial for me. Uh, I always had it somehow in mind, hey, it would be great to do an inspirational book with a lot of imagery. But does it really fit to my business, to my clients? Uh, would I uh, maybe not change my heart earned a perception as a top consultant uh, and getting back to be seen just as a climber anymore and this was more or less the fear i had uh, which prevented me uh, of uh, doing that uh, doing that uh, earlier but uh, it was really really insightful that it just uh, it, it leveled up my game completely but yeah isn't that funny though because i think uh, that's a good message i remember you know, when I first started speaking, I wouldn't tell anybody that I was a musician because I felt it downplayed my professional side of things. And, and then once I sort of got over that after a lot, a long time, maybe seven, six or seven years, and I started telling people about it and making it part of my brand, I can't believe how many corporations would say, we booked a band for the night just so that you could play with them. So please hang around after the event. And and I remember I flew to Darwin once in Australia. I don't know if anybody knows where it is. It's, it does, takes a long time to get there, I can tell you. And um, I knew I was playing with the band that night. So they'd asked me what songs I wanted to play. So I picked some Australian songs that, that I knew. And when I got to the band and I met the guy, I realised that I'd met him before. And I realised that the band was full of like the top, probably five of the top 10 Australian musicians of the time were in that band. And I went, oh shit, I wish I had have practiced. So, <laughs> you know, it was just, it was crazy how accepted it became that because you've got a skill or an ability that you think, uh, is this going to weaken my brand because I used to be a surfer or I used to be a musician or a mountain climber or, or whatever you used to do. In fact, it, it really enhances your brand because people find you much more interesting and they want to engage with you more and, and things like that. Reiner, I want to talk about your, firstly, congratulations on the book. It's a stunning book. I really, really enjoy it. And, I, you know, there's very few people we've told to do coffee table books that have followed through and done them. And, um, and I think yours is a great example. And, and just recently, I think you sold 300 of them to one client as well, which was also a nice bonus. Um, also that you, you could ship out the stock to, to one person who wanted to get rid of 300 copies of, the, of your book. So that's fantastic. Let's talk about your business model. So um, typically your business model is driven 
from you being on a stage and then everything else happens from that. Is that correct? Yeah, this is what I what I really um, aimed for because it doesn't it, it didn't develop that way. It did develop more or less in two different streams. Uh, the one hand was uh, driven from um, refer referral business as an organizational developer, uh, a job I like, uh, a profession I like, uh, work I really appreciate, and. Uh, clients were satisfied with my support and just wanted to have more of it and uh, on the other hand uh, 2006 i wrote my first book the north one principle which more or less started the speaking business and yep. there was uh, more or less really two different business streams just uh, developing and somehow nurturing each other but um, what I really uh, worked on and had to aim for is really using keynote speaking intentionally uh, to build up business. And this is really something I had uh, learned the last three years, maybe, uh, that you can do that and not uh, only seeing uh, speaking uh, business as having one keynote being on a stage and uh, entertain uh, the audience and everybody says, ah, great, uh, great speaker, uh, great convention. Uh, let's continue with our business and let's see who is the speaker next year. So really um, more or less adapting my uh, speaking message, my keynote uh, maybe uh, to the specific needs of the, of the audience I have and I really uh, enjoy um, since a few years really enjoy the small conference room with having a leadership uh, audience of 30 people uh, I enjoy it as much as being on a big stage and having 600 people I mean I do have 600 people and they are completely heterogeneous uh, in terms of uh, hierarchy or functions or, or uh, job levels um, it's not so easy to um, get follow-up business as really going into a small conference room talking with a leadership team with one challenge that unites them and tailoring uh, your speech directly for them so uh, and uh, after learning that after um understanding that that uh, I would have to adapt my message really much more often to the specific needs of the audience. This really helped uh, um, getting follow-up business out of speaking. Yeah. And I think and I, you bring up an interesting point too, because we realized after spending a long time working in America where the audiences are big and... Um, that we were actually making just as much money out of 20 people as we were making out of 200 people. And that's when we start to, to, to go to like our mastermind process. And, you know, as many people on this call that have come in through our mastermind process and they've joined us through our mastermind process. And, and um, you know, these days, our mastermind still averages $1,800 a seat in back-end sales. So, I mean, we aim for 10, 10 people at a mastermind and we normally have 10. Sometimes we get 11, sometimes we get nine. So, you know, that's an $18,000 speaking gig and there aren't too many keynote people are in the world getting paid 18,000 to speak. So, and then if I, if I look at the, the, the further, the moves further than that, 
um, in what other people spend. I mean, some of those people have spent over $100,000 with us over the last, you know, X number of years. So, and that's come from smaller venues. So I definitely agree with that. I'm interested to, to understand from you, do you have, when you say you adapt your keynote, because I, I know there's a lot of speakers on the call and um, everybody thinks they adapt their keynote, but primarily it's uh, every time I hear it, it's the same keynote. Um, when you say you adapt your keynote, do you have different slides that you interchange in and out depending what the um, accent of that audience is? Or do you, is it brought together in, in the, in the follow-up or how's it done for you? So, uh, you know, my signature keynote around the note one principle typically consists of uh, three stories. And if I tell all, uh, all those three stories, um, I'm not really able to adapt a lot because it's so rich. It's uh, the storytelling takes so much time. And uh, uh, what I have learned really is uh, that you have to have the guts leaving things out, just taking only one story and uh, bringing a completely different uh, slide set uh, for the transfer mes message in, which would have no place, which would make no sense on a big stage. And just having this for, for, uh, uh, this for, for a smaller group. So I did, I did so, I think, uh, uh, three weeks ago for a small, or relatively small uh, Austrian company, but it was really tailored to, the, to their needs and uh, it was virtually done. And uh, they said, hey, it's fantastic. It was perfectly for us. We want to continue the process uh, with you and work with you. It's not a big contract. Not, not, they will not be one of my big clients, but uh, they, they will uh, do a lot of uh, continuous work with me. And uh, therefore it's, it's, I think I would say uh, a 20,000 20, uh, euro contract that's 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 perfectly fine uh, done completely from home so um, it's just the the effect of uh, having uh, made the message specific enough for them yep and when you um how do you bridge or how do you build the bridge from giving the keynote to going into the consultancy discussion do they approach you or do you approach them or what happens? How does that work for you typically? Uh, typically, I do not approach anybody. So typically, uh, I, uh, I get asked uh, for uh, giving a keynote or giving a speech. Uh, and uh, typ typically, I do, have, uh, I do have referral business or uh, repeat business. Uh, all the time, uh, a leader uh, I work with changes the company and gets the CEO of uh, the next company. I know I have a new client. Yeah, a new, a new corporation. But uh, I, I really do have... Um, I do have my clients on my iPhone. I do not have uh, a big, uh, a big mail uh, mailing list or a big CRM system. I do have names on my iPhone. I know I have their their their, their cell phone numbers, and uh, I'm in constant contact with them. I really take care of. Uh, somehow building and nurturing the relationship wherever. Uh, 
wherever uh, the journey uh, takes uh, my clients in their life, in their professional career, and uh, try to just to maintain the relationship. And, uh, and uh, I would say it's not more than 50 to 100 people that are really important for my business. And I think, you know, that comes down to, and, and some of the people on this call will, will know this, Lundy talks a lot about, you just need a list of 100 people. And so few people, when you ask them to produce a list of 100 people, can actually produce a list of 100 people. And so, you know, that nurturing process, Reiner, um, what, when you say you nurture them, what does that mean? What do you typically do? Uh, well, what I typically do or what I typically did last year was um, just uh, beginning of March, um, when COVID hit and uh, more or less the, my calendar was empty. My calendar was empty. I knew I had a little bit uh, due to my big projects, I had a little bit of a deposit, but the calendar was empty. And uh, I thought about, I can't go out to my clients uh, and trying to sell them something now because they are in shock. They are, they are afraid of anything. And I just thought about how can I help? How can I help in that situation? And just thinking about that question, how can I help? Uh, I uh, came to the relatively simple answer: what they would, uh, what really would help them, would having uh, a platform for exchange uh, of experiences, of best best practices. What should they do right now in that situation in terms of leading their people, in terms of maintaining the spirit of the company? Uh, and so on and so on and so on and i just invited them for um and they they didn't have to pay anything uh, just for for having uh all, every third week having an online exchange of top leaders 12 people i ca i called it i called it a glass wine online just having one hour, one hour, one and a half hour in the evening, having a glass of wine together and just talking about the situation. Uh, what is helping right now? What the, do your people need? Uh, what is a best practice in that company? And just helping them and providing the platform. And I would, I would say that... Uh, that uh, just doing that and not having the intention directly to sell them something in that sessions, uh, just strengthened the relationship, and uh, it, it, it was it was it was almost natural that uh, I sold about seven hundred books of the new book uh, in autumn to them. Just uh, uh, to to uh, I offered uh, the book uh, to them uh, as a as a as a uh, Christmas present for their leadership team, and almost everybody uh, bought it. And uh, let's uh, let's uh, give it to the people and uh, follow up business as soon as they recover, as soon as they are ready to do something. It's very natural. So it started everything with with that. So I'm not so uh, looking for uh, intentionally uh, bringing people in situations to sell them something I just bring them together try to pro provide some value and let the uh, let the sale sales happen afterwards somehow yeah. yep. Yep. great look I've got one more question then I'm going to open it up for for everybody else but uh, and Reiner it's been it's been truly brilliant this morning as as expected as usual um, my question is is this is really 
What do you see the immediate future, the next one to two years for the speaker consultant coach? What do you see for, from um, your viewpoint of them being successful? What do they need to do? Maybe top few things that you think that people need to do in order to maintain and keep their success up over the next one to two years. I think the, the main challenge, the main challenge uh, uh, will be for anybody to be successful in a new environment will be to uncover the secret to having truly amazing virtual encounters. Uh, I'm not there still here. I have some, I have some hypotheses. I have some assumptions. Uh, what uh, is the difference between a boring uh, online workshop and a really magical conversation we can have together? There are some. There, there is. There's a huge difference. So, I think um, this is really one of the most uh, important uh, things uh, for the future to be able to create. Uh, some magic on the screen to have an encounter uh, like we would sit together in Namibia I see Ian uh, over there Morpheus genius uh, we had such a great time together in, in Namibia last year uh, and uh, just creating something that is uh, similar to to meet each other somewhere in the world and having really a truly amazing time and having a time of great value so uh, this is this is my my number one challenge because uh, and this uh, brings me to the second uh, part i'm convinced of i don't think that uh, uh, even if uh, COVID would disappear in six months, that we would go back to uh, uh, as it was and just uh, jumping uh, on a plane for every meeting and uh, being uh, 14 hours uh, on airports and somewhere to have a two hours meeting uh, with a client in Hamburg, which is a, 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 a city here in northern Germany we will do that virtually. So at least, and this is what I'm also aiming for, it's doing at least of 50% of my business virtually online, yep. just without leaving, without leaving uh, uh, the home studio. And uh, that's not um, because I, I don't like travel. I just uh, thought it was too much before and it doesn't uh, pay off for for everything we uh, we do and need so uh, i think really creating a virtual magic conversation virtual magic encounters uh will be one part and the other part combining that into a hybrid way of work and i'm not talking about hybrid meetings with uh, having persons in the room and some on the screen i uh, think about a hybrid process how do we com combine uh, physical uh, in-person or in-person work with virtual work in a way that uh, has much more impact than all we did uh, before? Because what I really have noticed, this is really that uh, my work before COVID was much more event uh, event-oriented and event-focused, and it's much more process-focused right now. 
yeah much easier to bring people into a process into a continuous process uh with using all the virtual uh, tools we have and uh this is what i think uh, will uh, be a great a great part of uh, being successful uh in the future as a speaker consultant whatever fantastic thank you so much folks uh, any uh, it's open for questions any questions that you would like to ask reiner um, about anything that he's spoken about this morning, feel free to pop up your hand. I'll have a look at the gallery here and, and let me know. I'm sure Joni's got a question. I can see it forming on her lips. Yes, Joni. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Telepathic now, too, he is. <laughs> Rainer, um, I absolutely loved your glass of wine online and how you can help your clients. Um, and that cross-fertilizing of ideas and your top 12 clients is superb. My question is, I think if I had done that last year, it would have gone down very well. I didn't do it. Um, this year, I'm finding people are just wanting to get offline as quickly as they can at the end of the day. So that overwhelm and saturation has set in. And I was just wondering to myself how I could do what I should have done last year and do it differently this year. And I hear you in terms of amazing and uh, Zoom interactions, but uh, have you got any thoughts about that pure Zoom and online fatigue and people not wanting to spend a minute more than they have to? Yeah, I, 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 think, I think really that it, it pays it pays off if you really take 12 people you want to have 15 people you want to have and think about it you create something really amazing for hundreds of people with a amount of creative uh, thought and focus uh, like a big event and do everything uh, to make it a truly outstanding experience for the 12 people um I did something with my colleagues I consult with a lot in projects. Uh, we invited our clients uh, to uh, do a know-how transfer session of, about of the, best, the best insights we had in the last 12 uh, months. And it was beginning of March, uh, we uh, thought about what could we bring in. We really tried to make an outstanding invitation with a, with a graphic designer. It was really, it was uh, like, like a big event. Uh, it was, in fact, it was just for 36 people, uh, but we made a truly amazing agenda that uh, really inspired them to be part of it. Uh, we uh, involved them in a preparation process uh, that they were not used to. It was not just a Zoom meeting. They had to go to a Padlet and uh, bring in their expectations and ideas for the session uh, on, on an online pin board, the Padlet. I'm not sure if you, you know that it's just a, just a tool, but but using it uh, a lot uh, uh, for a lot of them, it was oh, you could do that in a completely different way. Preparing such a such a, such a Zoom meeting, we asked them uh, where will you uh, participate from? What is the exact location? Because you will get uh, something something physical. You have to tell us that. And we we sent to them a really excellent bottle of wine and some some uh, some goodies and. Uh, I must, I must say, uh, they sat with us. It was for 
I think one and a half hours, uh, there was the agenda after four hours, 60% uh, of the participants still still were joining us in uh, in a networking launch, which was not the Zoom meeting, which was on Wanda, which is, uh, uh, um, I can I can share the, the tool with you. It's, 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 it's more or less uh, a, a virtual networking launch where you can join um, different uh, circles of conversations just by moving your, your mouse or your cursor. And you will appear in a completely different uh, different uh, comp uh, video conference if you just move your 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 mouse and you go to another circle. So you you see like uh, like uh, the hallway of the conference room where are people together. You can move there. You can move there. And we had just just a great fun. And uh, there were a lot of people saying after four hours, hey, now I get the feeling how we should have created our online programs to uh, to uh, make them a success. And I think the main reason, the main reason why people uh, have the the need for offline, is not only uh, because we haven't met each other for such a long time. It's mainly because most of the online meetings are boring. Mm -hmm. Very true. Thank Any you. I'll, I'll look up at Wanda. That sounds uh, very yeah. interesting. I haven't heard yeah. about it. Yeah. Anyone Thank else? I put it in the chat. Ian. Thanks, uh, Mike. Rainer, um, I'm really intrigued about your hybrid approach. And and what are, could you maybe tell us more about some of the things that you do in uh, other than in the actual sessions, uh, in the actual maybe virtual presentations or whatever? What are some of the other tools that you have that support that? Uh, because that really intrigues me. And I think I'd like to do more of that. Uh, maybe uh, if I would share a thing that comes to my mind right now, and I would say this is maybe one of my secret weapons, is really uh, is really using video video email. Uh, I'm not sure if you have heard about Loom or if you heard about a Dub. Just really, instead of instead of uh, writing a hundred Christmas cards uh, at Christmas. It doesn't take much more time to do hundreds, hundred personalized videos, and the people uh, and the people will, will say, "Hey, this is the greatest, uh, the greatest uh, Christmas gift I all uh, I got from all of you. Really outstanding. Nobody does it. Uh, you are not on the not on the." on the table amongst uh, 200 others uh, of your competitors who send Christmas cards to them. They look at your Christmas video uh, up to 10 times and they can't believe it. And they know it's your personal, uh, it's your personal Christmas video for them because you tell them, you tell them their name, Merry Christmas, Hermann Sommer, one of my clients. Uh, and he, he knows it is just for him. It's, it can't be for somebody else. It's not an automated uh, thing. Um, it's it's just for me, and this is this is really great. And if you do that, uh, not only for uh, for uh, birthday wishes and Christmas wishes and New Year's wishes, if you do that also for for um, uh, delivering some offers or ideas or concepts, I do this usually with Loom. 
uh, then I send them my PDF file and make them a 10 minute, minute video where I explain them my, uh, my thoughts behind the offer they get or behind the concept they get. And uh, what I have learned so far, preparing a meeting in such a way uh, adds so much value. Um, CEOs are really proud of working with me because they have something that is really different uh, to, 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 to others and they send this uh, to their uh, to their team and say, hey, this is the, the consultant we work with and uh, let's uh, have a look at it that you are prepared. Uh, that's, uh, that's, really, that's really fantastic. And uh, this is so one thing, one thing I really would recommend everybody make use of video, not only in terms of uh, thinking uh, about Zoom meetings or, or uh, video courses, really use personalized video as much as you can. This is really a, a, a game changer. And on the other hand, uh, it's it's really just about uh, preparing people or uh, doing a follow-up after in-person meetings and think about how you can combine that, how you can best uh, use all the tools we have because I have the feeling uh, the clients are really ready now for that because they have seen the advantages we can have uh, working together. Uh, preparing an in-person meeting with the online pin board, uh, doing some preparation work uh, on a collaboration tool like Miro or uh, Collaboard or, or Concept Board or Mural or how the, all the, the, the whiteboards are, are called. So this is really uh, of great value, combining all the tools and combining the approaches. Fantastic, thank you. Um, any other questions? Reiner, thank you so much for, for being on our call today. I noticed we've had a, a couple of, or one person just join on the call, probably from New Zealand, where you've gone into daylight savings over Easter. So, uh, so make sure you check out the recording of this call. It'll be up on the site in the next couple of hours for you to do that, um, because there's really, I think, uh, just some fantastic information that's come through on, on this, and everybody's nodding and saying yes. So, Reiner, thank you so, so much. Um, uh, I'm going to say goodbye to everybody and then Rhino, we're going to rejoin on, uh, I'll send you a different link because uh, yep. I'll follow through on, on what we were going to do beforehand. Thanks everybody and bye-bye. Bye-bye.